Hi, you're welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on the final Saturday of April. Mm. Good morning, Pori. Good morning, Deirdre. How it's have you survived, Hannah? I've survived it really well and, and thankfully there's been no damage or, or uh, certainly... Limited enough. Limited enough, enough, At yeah. least in our part of the world. Exactly, yeah. Curry se- seems to have got quite a bit and I hear there's some trees down in, in Curry and power lines down and so on. But I do notice that uh, a lot of the gardens have got a lot of trees in particular. The the leaves have been kind of stripped off some of them. Um, hedging, new growth, I suppose, mm. would be slightly damaged. It's It's... It's nothing to worry about. Um, you know, that'll replenish again. It'll regrow again. People that, that people should just check if they've newly planted trees, just make sure that they haven't got wind rocked and uh, that they're firmly tied and that the tree ties are still in place and the stakes are still in place. But apart from that, any trees that have been stripped of leaves and you'll see some leaf litter down along the roads and, and in gardens, that will regrow back again. Yeah, so I, be- did, I did notice it on the way this morning. Yeah. Um, and it was all, you know, the way normally you see leaves that are down their kind of older leaves and this was the, it was literally that bright green young oh, growth. Oh, it's the fresh yeah, growth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with hedging. Anybody in kind of windy areas, there'll be a certain amount of, of uh, leaf damage and what you will see in the next week or so, some of those young leaves that still are on the trees may go brown, but it's only a temporary setback. Um, they'll regrow again, particularly if you give them a little bit of feed. We're only getting into the growing cycle and leaves are quite delicate and soft at this time of year and that's why they're being torn from the trees. Um, and you will see some brown damage on 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 uh, on trees and shrubs in general over the next couple of of uh, days and weeks. So just disregard that. Give them a bit of a feed, and they'll be perfectly fine. Right, they'll perfectly spring fine. back into action. They will, of course. Yeah, I did notice the cherries. Um, uh, yeah. They, I mean, I know they're short-lived at best anyway. Whisked away. But I'm afraid when yeah. I, I have one outside my house and uh, it was gone this morning. The, leaves, the so flowers pre- are pretty gone. Pretty much, yeah. yeah we were yeah, back yeah. to just yeah. the greenery. But they have been stunning all spring. I suppose a, a kind of worrying thing maybe to a certain degree, apple trees are in full flower at the moment and, and if the blossoms do get damaged, this isn't going to be bee-friendly sort of weather. Um, we do need the bees to get at the, at the flowers so they don't like to fly in, in any sort of breezy weather so um, hopefully it won't set any of the fruiting plants black but look at overall very very little damage to, to report um, and nothing to worry about really and if people do see some brown marking on plants just give them a little bit of a feed and they'll be perfectly fine there's a long growing season left Now you were out and about in Craigmore National School I was if you remember we, we give or I give away a veggie pod um, to one of the we, we launched here with mm-hmm. Tommy Marin and the Midwest uh, Radio Pro Program, program back yeah. in March, I think, in early March, and Craig Moore were the winners and a worthy winner as well. And I had great fun about a month ago or three weeks ago planting up the veggie pod in Craig Moore. And uh, I happened to be in Galway on Wednesday, so I popped in. They were on Easter holidays, so I, I jumped the gate. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I jumped the gate. Maybe and we shouldn't went be in. saying that live on air, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> but, but anyway, their veggie pod is right there at the front of the school. And um, I actually recorded just a little clip on my own phone, a little video, and I've put it up on Facebook. Um, but I was actually amazed myself how well the plant, the kids, first of all, have done a brilliant job in planting up the veggie pod. They went for the very large size. There were strawberries in it, three varieties of lettuce, onions, different types of herbs. Um, they have tomato plants planted in it. So there's a whole myriad of, of different plants and every one of them are actually doing really, really well. I'm, I'm very impressed. And the kids are on holidays. <laughs> they haven't <laughs> been there in two weeks. So when they go back, they're in for a great surprise. The strawberries were in full flower and they were, the fruit had set on them. 
had already said. Remember, we got somebody asked the question uh, cheekily: How how would the strawberries get pollinated with the cover? Oh, yes, I do remember that. And yes. I and I went and I actually and I filmed it uh, on the video piece just to show the little fruiting, uh, little strawberries beginning to produce their fruit. So the flowers are on them. The fruit is forming. Everything is really good in the uh, in the veggie pot in Craig Moore. I'm going to go back out next Wednesday and um, speak to Joe and the team and 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 the kids, of course, once they go back to school mm. and just get their get their feedback as well. But some of the, the lettuce in particular are, are ready for harvesting. I had a leaf or two Did myself you? once Sample. I was there. Yeah, and uh, they've actually got another veggie pot since then. Okay. And they've planted it with uh, flowers. So it's so obviously a, a great a great success for them. Yeah, well, they're, yeah. they're giving it a go on. Yeah. I thought it was just, again, something interesting. They've planted it up with geraniums and petunias, just to add a bit of colour to, to, uh, to the school. So I'll record a piece uh, this coming week and we'll play it next Saturday and just just to get the kids' reaction, really, to, to the whole project. And look, at it's lovely to see them. And if you remember on the day, we actually planted some edible flowers, some viola. And as the kids were planting them, and when they had them planted, <laughs> they were eating, <laughs> eating the flowers as we were there. And, and it was amazing to see the interaction between the kids. Uh, you know, some of the children that were well used to growing stuff teaching the others and getting them to taste and that little bit of peer pressure. You know, if I yeah. or you told them to, to, to yeah. taste it, they probably wouldn't happen. But because their their peers were actually eating and, and tasting some of the plants as we were physically planting them. Um, uh, so oh, so that went very well. So yeah. overall, very, very successful. Delighted with the project. And uh, I'm going to be very interested just to get the kids' reaction next week. Super. You told me that there's a new blueberry on the go. I do, uh, and I'm very impressed with this. It's a new, it's a new blueberry called which, which, Pink Lemonade. Which isn't a blueberry, more a pinkberry, really. Well, it's, if a we're going to be, it's a pink blueberry. <laughs> it's just to really just confuse, to confuse the people. issue. Um, so, yeah, I saw it on the notes, but I wasn't really passing any heed. But now I see the photograph of yeah. it. It is actually. It is, and it's a lovely variety. It's something people should give it give a try to. So it is a blueberry. It's in the blueberry family, uh, but it's a variety called Pink Lemonade. The flowers are are both white and pink, um, loved by bees. But once the bees visit the flowers, they pollinate the flowers, and it produces these brilliant bright pink berries so they're the same shape and size as a traditional blueberry but they're pink in colour and they have a fantastic flavour lovely I was sweet say, I wonder flavour what they taste yeah, no, like. really good flavour on them it's a variety actually that it tends to produce a big crop and then a second crop later in the autumn so you get you get actually two periods of picking from this so kind of a heavier crop in July and August and then a slightly smaller crop then in the autumn period. It's also a variety uh, that grows quite small. So, you know, typically blueberries will grow anything up to five, six feet and and, and We're talking about the plants wide. now rather the plant than the berries itself, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but so, but this variety of pink lemonade actually stays quite small. So it's brilliant in pots and containers and it's a self-pollinating variety. So, you can actually technically only have one plant if you want in a pot and it will self-pollinate. So it's just something to try. Um, the fruit is, it is a very good flavour. It's got that pink coloration and um, perfect for a pot. So it's a variety called pink lemonade. I thought it was something different yeah. and something. And the fact that it's self-pollinating and you can grow it in a pot or container. Remember that blueberries require lime-free soil. So they, they, they're like a, an ericaceous soil, a bit like rhododendrons. Um, so they're perfect in pots and containers. A very long-lived plant. I mean, generally blueberries will live 50, 60 years type of thing. Once you have them, you tend to have them for a long time. And um, they're quite easy to grow. And they've got stunning autumn colour beautiful 
uh, the leaves go from green to kind of a like a um, Virginia creeper in the autumn, that lovely uh, autumnal colour. So it's a very decorative plant as well. As well. And you get the fruit from it. Okay. Something I'm noticing, Deirdre, particularly in the last week or two, we've gotten huge interest um, both in the centres and on radio about people growing their five a day. So I'm seeing a lot of interest in the sowing of seeds this year in particular and the planting of plants, edible plants and people kind of giving it a go. People that maybe haven't planted Mm. their own lettuce or their own um, their own plants themselves, edible plants for years are just giving it a bit of a try. So it's not kind of going back to the allotment days, but it's people trying to grow some potatoes or or, um, lettuce or cabbage or we got a great reaction to the cross the Brussels sprouts and kale. Petit Posey. Um, great response to that and people wanted to give it a go and try it out. So we're seeing huge interest in that in kind of younger families actually trying to grow their five a day or right. a few bits and pieces, tomatoes, chilies, all of that. So this is the time of year, I suppose, to, to uh, if you're interested <laughs> in giving plants a go, be, be it the sowing of seeds yep. and a brought in. Okay, kind of, and again, seeds. children so what are what peas? Yeah, so, so something like peas are so simple to grow. This is a lovely variety called Rondo, uh, which is a, it, generally peas, when they flower, they produce a single pod of peas. This is a variety that actually produces two pods per flower. So it tends to double the yield. Okay, so. so it's a very productive variety um, and it's ideal for successive sowing. So you can sow some now, sow some in a month's time, sow some in a month's time type of thing and you have them coming right right through until midwinter. Um, and this variety, Rondo, produces about 10 peas per pod. So it's, so yeah, because sometimes I suppose there can be a lot of picking on peas to get any kind of a yield yeah. out of them. So this is a particularly good variety because you literally have two pods and 10 peas in each pod. So it's a very heavy cropper. It's one called Rondo. But also for children, particularly if you want to get the kids involved, the Monge 2 peas are brilliant or the Sugar Snap peas because you eat pod and all. Oh, yes. And, and, they, they're, and they, they produce their, their um, fruit or their peas in a very short period you're picking them quite, quite small and quite tender and remember that pea shoots as well you can actually you can physically eat, eat the shoots the green, the green growth as they're growing so a lot of interest in the five a day people growing those and I suppose if people want to give it a go this is the time of year you get them in your local garden centre both the plants and the seed so a little bit of both you can grow them in windowsills window boxes, um, containers, tubs, or if you've a bit of garden soil. And it's often nice to mix some edible plants in with your flowering plants as well. So I, I was telling that story last year in my own garden, mm-hmm. in, in the troughs. I planted up with old cottage garden plants, things like crocrosme and uh, old-fashioned roses. But in the corners, I planted lettuce plants that I just peeled all oh. summer. And again, we got a great reaction that people wanted to come in and see that and, and for me to does explain he ha- it. To see how it looks. <laughs> what do you mean yeah. by, yeah. <laughs> you know. So so that simple thing we got a great reaction to. So so listeners are giving all of that a go this year and there's some very interesting the rondo the, 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 you've got a rondo pea you've also got a rondo carrot and we got a great reaction to that one for pots and containers and so that's the like, little roundy carrot I know we it mentioned is, it the on uh, the programme there maybe last week the brilliant and veggie pods are in even in window boxes and, and again from sowing it's ready to pick in about six weeks time and things like kale the old fashioned kale um, that, again, so that's, that's curly kale, purple this, kale. This is, is purple mm-hmm. curly kale. Yeah, um, it's a, a variety called scarlet, but there are many different forms of it, both green, purple, um, some plain leafed, some curled leafed ones. So the old traditional vegetables, people are just giving them a go, and there's some fantastic varieties from Sutton's. It's tomato planting time as well, mm-hmm. um, pepper t- planting time, things like aubergines, cucumbers, they're all ready to plant now. Keep them indoors in a tunnel or greenhouse or a warm windowsill for a couple of weeks' time uh, before planting out. 
Again, in terms of seed sowing, it's a good time to sow. Um, a couple of things that caught my eye. This is always a favourite plant of mine. It's it's um, Hesperus or Sweet Rocket. Right. You'd often see it growing wild. Mm-hmm. Um, it tends to flower in May and June, but it can be sown from seed at this time of year to flower later in the summer. But it's got a fantastic scent from the plant. Beautiful, strong, rich scent. A very, very easy plant. It's nearly it's nearly a wild flower. Once you sow it, it actually sells seeds and comes back year after year. So Hesperus. Hesperus. Hesperus so or we kind of mixed sweet. colours there, white and kind of pink. It comes in white and pink. Uh, it grows about a metre high great for a flower board or a bed beautiful scent off it and it, literally you chuck the seed on the ground and, and it, it will grow will it? <laughs> it's so simple and will it grow. grow up through other things yeah it'll grow like a small little uh, like a lupin plant I suppose right. or a, an yeah. old cottage oh. Uh, plant a great filler and a fast growing plant sweet rocket rocket because it grows so quickly but it's just something a, a little bit different um, and, and, and nicely scented and this is the time of year I suppose for the sowing of seed out of doors in particular you can sow lots of them hardy annuals in particular directly out into the garden Think of things like English marigolds um, and uh, cornflowers or sweet rocket night scented stock all of those plants for scent can be planted out of doors so they're the type of things that people are Planting and, 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 uh, and, and doing at the moment. And doing at the moment. Okay. Um, so a busy time. A busy time. Back to questions. Where do mm. I even start this morning? I'm going to start with um, things that are uh, uh, pesty type questions, I think. First of all, we're going to start with the black flies that are around at the moment. People wondering, are they harmful? What are the black flies that well, are Well, there's, there's a lot of... There's a, there's a, a lot a, of activity, is there? Yeah. And, and you often get this after that kind of... Remember, we had that little bit of heat, if mm. we can remember back a week or 10 days ago. And once you get that kind of uh, heat particularly in the soil, you get a population of St. Mark's fly. Right. So the black fly you see kind of hovering over your lawn at the moment or uh, around the garden, and particularly they, they tend to be in, in large groups. It's a fly called St. Mark's fly because we celebrate St. Mark's Day on the 25th of April. It's often called the hawthorn fly as well right. because it com- tends to come out when the hawthorn is in flower and will often actually feed on the nectar of the, the um, hawthorn flower. So, the is, it unsi- is it just unsightly or does it cause any it's bother? Unsightly, uh, it can be unsightly. People get worried yeah. when they see they all don't these like, flies. Well, we don't like flies. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and actually, naturally, like, like any insect, their uh, nectar uh, attracted to nectar so anything flowering around that time particularly white thorn they tend to go for it or apple trees or whatever um, and they're pollinating your flowers whilst they do that but they can lay their eggs as, as well in the lawn and that okay. sometimes can cause problems and you can use a treatment for that if it becomes a problem if you notice the lawn going a bit of yellow or getting damaged you could use for example the nematodes that, that um, challenge the leather jacket would be effective on, hoover them on up. St. Mark's fly as well so that's what it is I, customers have been asking me in store as well so it's a, a little fly that we see at this time of year no, well I won't say a little fly he's actually quite big a large fly black in colour St. Mark's fly right. He'll buzz off in a couple of weeks, <laughs> weeks time. time. Yeah. Okay. And it won't be a problem. It won't be an issue. But if he is causing yeah, b- But if you b- see some yellowing in the lawn, yeah. it, it could be possibly that. Or if you have a lot of them over your lawn, it would be an, an indication that some of the, the um, maggots were, are, were in, they've pupated and. and, and um, Got into the ground. Yeah. Come, they've come from there. That's where they've come from. Now, somebody's wondering they think they may have a badger or okay. something digging right. up the lawn. 
Well, badgers will dig will up logs because they're, they're digging for worms. And particularly when we get wet weather like this, worms come to the surface. And badgers, of course, will, will dig and, and eat earthworms and slugs and snails and all of that sort of thing as well. So it could be that. I mean, it, it, it's most likely badger damage. They tend to be nocturnal, come out at night time. Um, and obviously they can be quite destructive on lawns. I mean, really, the only way to control it is, is to net the badger out, keep the, put up some sort of physical barrier that's actually going to keep them away from your lawn uh, because you cannot, my understanding is badgers are a protected species, mm, yeah. I think so, so, yeah. So they have to be left alone. So you need to, to put up some netting. Maybe just check it at night time to see, you is know, it once it gets... Is it a badger? Yeah, but it, uh, it, it, it most possibly is because uh, badgers will dig lawns. And of course, they live in... Is it they live in borough in... Uh, in or something like in, that. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, underground. Underground, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. A badger set, is it? That's it, thank badger you. Badger set, yeah. 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 yeah sorry, yeah. Dre So look, at, there's nothing that, that um, apart from putting up some physical netting to, to keep them out. Okay. Um, we're going to stay with things that are bothering people. What can I use to control cabbage and carrot root fly that's safe? Well, you can use um, probably the, 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 the most eco-friendly uh, treatment is a treatment called EcoGuard. And it's actually, it's, I think it's sold from memory as um, cabbage and root fly spray, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's basically based on garlic. So it's got, it's got a high concentration of garlic uh-huh. in it, which the cabbage root fly and the carrot root fly Don't dislike like. intensely. So look for it in your local garden centre. It's called EcoGuard. It's a liquid. You apply it once you've planted your cabbage plants or wait until the carrots germinate and then you can you control, control it. You can also use the nematodes later on as well once the carrots germinate. So there's nothing to be done with carrots. Sow them, let them grow five or six inches mm. and then you can use the EcoGuard on them. You can also net them out, get a very fine netting or over the carrots and the physical that'll create a physical power barrier because the carrot root fly is a small fly that lays the eggs on the base of the carrots particularly when you're thinning the carrots the other thing you can do is sow some of the resistant varieties so there's a, a variety of carrot called fly away or resist fly which are resistant <laughs> to, fly, to carrot root fly and and finally you can also use the tapes you know the seed tapes, seed tapes from sultans yes. they have a carrot uh, variety that's it's impregnated into a tape. You simply roll the tape out, you cover it with soil and that means you don't have to thin the carrots and it's on the thinning. When you're thinning carrots the scent of that, is excreted. Kind of, yes, yeah. Correct. And the car- carrot flag flies in on that and, and, and also you can kind of mask the scent of carrots by planting marigolds or English marigolds or French marigolds between or close by and that helps to mark the scent. It's not, a f- it's not going to give you 100% uh, control yeah. but it, it certainly helps to reduce the, the damage. So okay. if you can reduce excreting the scent or if you can hide the scent of the carrot or cover the plants physically or use the garlic treatment called EcoGuard they are all very, okay. very effective. In so a combination of those measures yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah, yeah. Should, should yield oh, yeah, some twill. success. Yeah, or so some of the resistant varieties. Now, from carrots to parsnips, somebody wondering, is it too late to sow parsnips? Not at all. Remember, parsnips are a, a, a winter crop, really. I mean, we, we, we dig our parsnips after the heavy frosts in October and November, and they can be left in the soil, and the flavour gets so much better if you do leave them in the ground. Um, I did mention last week or the week before a great variety called Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Um, easy to remember. It's an F1 variety of parsnip and it's resistant to canker, which is a disease, a bacterial disease that sometimes parsnips get, particularly if they're left in the soil. So look for that variety. You get it in both the Thompson and Morgan and Sutton's seed. It's a very good variety. So gladiator, sow it now. You can sow a parsnip right up into the middle of June 
without any problem. Remember, you can eat them when they're tender and small mm. or you can let them grow yeah. to full-size uh, parsnips. So there's plenty of time for the sowing of all seeds, of all vegetable plants. And generally, my advice is to sow them in succession, small amounts every two to three weeks, right up to July sort of period. You can continue to sow Lots so that way you'll have yields throughout yeah. rather than everything coming exactly. together. Exactly, and, and parsnips are really a, a, an autumn-winter crop. I mean, they can physically be left in the ground, let the foliage die back with the heavy frost right up to November, often even up to Christmas, mm. and the flavour is so much better because the soil is protecting them in the soil. It's, it's kind of a, a storage area for them, as it were. Now, somebody's got a query about an orchid. It's been on a career break, in inverted commas, for a (laughs) few years, but is ready to bloom. And they're wondering, can they remove the dreadlocks that are hanging down the sides? They look awful, but I'm afraid to tempt Providence by interfering and send it into a decline. Okay, well, orchids are epiphytes, which means that they grow in in, in the jungle where they come from. They grow in trees and mosses and lichen and that type of thing. And they send out these aerial roots that that I suppose dig into the moss or on, around the branches and so on and that's how it supports itself and that's how it gets its moisture. So the dreadlocks that the listener is mm-hmm. describing is actually the aerial roots of the orchid plant so they are essential. My advice really is to actually pot it on, move it into a slightly bigger pot, make sure that you get orchid compost. Don't use the traditional peat-based uh, Bordemona type compost for orchids. There's a special orchid mix which is based on the, the type of conditions that orchids needs, which is that very loose um, moss-like compost material. So you'll get a, lo- a bag in your local garden centre, feed it with orchid food, repot it now into a larger pot, even the fact that it's coming into flower and um, it'll be absolutely brilliant. And orchids have this name for being difficult, but they're actually a very, very simple plant. People probably kill them with kindness more than anything else, so they're nice. well worth. There are varieties like the Phalaenopsis, which are very simple to grow and yet stunning in colour and live for many, many years. Okay, great stuff. So well worth growing. So well, don't don't prune the dreadlocks off. Okay. Just repot it into a larger pot. Start to liquid feed it and enjoy the colour. Excellent. And hopefully it won't stay on its oh, career yeah. break for too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, um, we've got a question about the daffodils. Uh, good morning. Will I cut back my daffodils now? I bent them back and fed them about two weeks ago and they've sent us a photograph of them all bent back. Um, Are they still green? Uh, they... Are they going yellow? They're green. No, they're still oh, yeah. kind of green. Well, if they're, if they're still green, kind of leave them alone. Um, the daffodils in my own garden have actually gone yellow now and I'm, I'm, that's the next job on the list uh, just to rake We're talking off about the, the foliage leaves. now. The foliage, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. foliage the foliage has died back it's normally six weeks after flowering but but daffodils flower depending on the variety from Christmas right up to the there's probably one or two varieties still in bloom at the moment so they're, they flower at different times of the year so it's, it depends on the time of flowering if they're very green my advice is leave them for another week or 10 days because you're building up the bulb for next year the listener has done exactly the right thing feeding them with a liquid feed that helps to ripen the bulb it plumps the bulb up and all that green material is going to return as energy back into the bulb so if you can leave them for another week or 10 days I would do those I normally leave mine until they physically collapse collapse the right and once they go, the foliage goes yellow, I just rake off the dead leaves. And, and away we and go. Gi- yeah, and give them one or two liquid feeds and that's it. And forget about them till next year. And on a similar uh, theory, and I was asked to ask you this uh, during the week from the Home House, uh, can we lift the hyacinths now or do they plants again need to die back they a need, la the daffodils? Yeah, they need to die. All bulbs, when you, when you buy a bulb in the autumn, you're buying it generally a three-year-old plant and it's it's plump and it's heavy and it contains the flower embryo that's going to bloom in the springtime. And once the bulb is planted, once it starts to physically grow, all that energy leaves the bulb. So the bulb actually shrinks in on itself and becomes quite small. 
until all that energy returns again. So all bulbs should be left to die back naturally. You feed them just after flowering to build them up to help that ripening process and building up the flower embryo, which forms will be formed by July in daffodils for next year. So how well you kind of look after them now? And same applies to hyacinths. Um, Now, hyacinths tend not to be long-lived. You know, you get okay. So you might only get a year or two. You get out a couple of, of years, maybe okay. three years out of them. Yeah. But but yes, by all means, let them die back. Give them a liquid feed, and then um, you can lift them. Then maybe in three four weeks time. Okay, and you can store them then. You can store them quite safely, and and that's basically that's what the what the nurseries do in Holland. They lift them in July and August. They store them in in a cool um, in a cool shed and garage. Yes. And, and, um, and I spent a happy three months as a junior, as a, as a as a eighteen year old, picking daffodils in Holland one summer, living in a tent. Okay, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, and a, a great, great experience. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I live at the sea, but, okay. but I want to plant a large plant in the centre of two concrete pots as a centrepiece and surround with flowers. Most things I have tried die. What might be hardy? Okay, so the two elements you've got to consider in, in seaside areas, and, and today, last night, would be testimony to it, is high winds mm-hmm. and salt. Salt is going to burn many plants, so you've got to go for plants that are going to tolerate the soil. So things that would come to mind as a centrepiece, cordelines do really well, the, the evergreen cordelines. They come in variegated forms, in green forms and in purple forms, and they tolerate the wind really well. There's a lovely plant called the waxleaf uh, privet, which is a centre plant. So it's got waxy foliage, evergreen, white flowers, the bees love the flowers, very, very easy plant to grow and you can get it as a standard plant. So what I would mean by that, it's got a nice clean stem and a lollipop head. So it's perfect for a pot or container. They come in different heights, so you can get something that would be maybe a metre tall or one that might be two metres tall, depending on how big the pot is. Another good plant is um, Euonymus Bravo, which is a, a variegated foliage plant. Again, it's got waxy leaves and um, very wind tolerant and soil tolerant, as is the wax leaf Lugustrum. So go into your local garden centre, ask them for plants that have that kind of waxy leaf structure because the salt cannot penetrate the leaf and it cannot do any damage. That's really something you're, yeah, or or good seaside plants that will give you that that nice structure. So for me, cordelines, which are evergreen, um, the wax leaf Lugustrum or Privet, which has has both flowers and evergreen foliage, and you can shape it, you can keep it as a nice little topiary plant, or the Euonymus Bravo, which has a variegated leaves, bright yellow, very colourful, Mm. Um, again, holds the colour all year round, and then you can underplant those with things like begonias or basilisies or geraniums. They all like seaside conditions. Okay. That'll give you great colour all year round. And all of those plants are, are evergreen, the, the plants in the, for the centre of the pot. So lots of interest there. Yeah. Um, what are the potatoes or are there any potatoes resistant to common scab or what might be the cure if we have it? Well, scab tends to be... So first of all, scab is not... Um, it's basically a kind of a rough surface on the outer edge of the skin of the potato. It doesn't, doesn't um, affect, does it it affect, doesn't affect not at all. And you'll often buy potatoes in, in, in the local shops that will curse pinks can be notorious for scab. So it's kind of a rough surface. But once you boil them and peel them, they're perfectly edible. Um, so it's kind of more uh, um, from aesthetics. It just doesn't look well. Yeah. And if your soil is is very limey, you tend to get more scab. Now, there are varieties that, that are resistant. So mm-hmm. there's a variety called Nadine, which is uh, very good. There's one called Valor which again is very blight resistant. Valor is, is quite a nice variety. It's um, a typical Irish potato. It's a very dry matter potato, um, very good for boiling, roasting, 
chipping, that mm. type of thing. It's a main crop variety and, and forms its tubers late in the season, but is resistant to scab. So Valor or, or Nadine are the two to try. Oh, okay. Another good one is uh, one called Carlingford, which is more a, a salad type potato, but it again, it's resistant to um, scab yeah. as well. And I always say to people, you know, don't bother growing the kind of traditional varieties that you can buy in the shops, so the Curse Pinks and the Roosters that you can buy anyway, and they're cheap as chips to buy. Go for uh, unusual varieties yeah. like Carlingford, Valor is a great variety, Nadine, uh, Blue Danube, uh, which is, is it's, it's a terrific variety as well. Um, and you'll never get them to buy in the shops. Okay. And yet they're really good, good flowering potatoes. And it's still not too late. You can still plant them in in the garden soil or in pots and containers. Now we have, uh, Denise has a fig growing in a tub. It's putting out fruit for the first time. Great. Foxgloves are also growing in oh, the same tub. We think the seed blew in and settled. Mm-hmm. Will they affect or poison the fig fruit should I move the foxgloves? Well, uh, so first of all, and I, and I, I understand the reason the, the listener is asking this because digitalis or foxglove is a poisonous, can be a poisonous plant. Um, so, the, but it will have absolutely no effect on the, the fruit of the fig. Now, figs f- f- basically produce their embryo, their small flower embryo, in one year, and it forms, it plumps up in the second year. So it takes two years for your figs to fruit, right. even though the little f- fruit You can see them. Are, yeah. Yes. And you t- typically, as they get older, you've got ripening fruit, and you've also got embryo fruit, which fruit the following year, if that makes sense. If you've got you know, juvenile fruit and mature fruit ready mm. for picking. So um, it's great to see the fruit on them. Uh, the, the concern I would have more so is that the digitalis or the foxglove will give competition to the fig tree. And if the pot isn't, isn't very large, I would recommend taking the foxglove out, not because of the poisonous nature, but simply because of the com- competition. Mm. Because foxgloves are very, very greedy and they, they grow quite tall, they'll need lots of nutrition and they're going to rob the fig tree of that. So this would be a good time just to separate the two, plant the, the foxgloves in your garden, start feeding the fig now with a high potash feed, like a tomato feed, build it up, it'll start to ripen the fruit and, and figs will grow perfectly well out of doors. There's a great variety, or great one in Kylemore Abbey. Have a lovely old fig, fig tree, tree up against a wall. They're a brilliant walled plant and they produce beautiful leaves. Okay. Very interesting leaves and then fabulous fruit then. And once it starts fruiting, they tend to fruit. Every year you've got fruit, both juvenile and mature, mature. fruit. Okay, and they so they're kind of size. Fr- producing sort all of, the time. Well, even, though it's, even though it's a two-year process, yes, yes. Uh, you'll have fruit you'll have mature each, fruit each year. And, and, and young embryo okay. fruit, yeah, to right. grow coming on it as well. So they're, they're a lovely plant, very hardy, very easy to grow perfect against a wall. So in time I would consider maybe this autumn taking out out of the pot, planting it against a wall, put a little bit of wire or trellis work up mm. for it, train it in and let it off. Let It'll it act off. as a wall plant for you. Great idea. And also for fruiting you, plants. Okay, and you can do that with many fruiting plants like pears and plums and apples. It's called espalier, espalier. growing. Yeah, and it's just growing them against the wall. Again, if you're in the OPW in, in Dublin, if you're knocking around the Phoenix Park or going to Bloom, they've got great examples of them growing in the in wall the garden, tra- fully trained. Uh, I have a small cherry blossom tree which had beautiful flowers except this year it turned brown on one side which was probably from the wind but there are suckers growing at the base of the tree Tom is wondering will it come back Tom remove the suckers Uh, all trees cherry trees in particular are grafted onto a different rootstock so the top portion of the tree and the bottom the root structure are two different varieties of cherry and generally when plants come under stress if they come under kind of wind stress or growing stress the rootstock starts to grow 
So what's happening there is basically suckers, as he uh, describes, mm. that's a different variety of tree. He lose the, it'll actually it take over. over. So prune those off, remove them. And yeah, it, it sounds like a bit of wind damage. And we did have wind damage about a month ago. Yeah. Plants come into leaf early. We had a beautiful early, you know, yeah, February right. and early March and then we got some wind and like we had today, yeah. you're getting that browning effect and people will see that on their own trees in the next week or 10 days, that kind of browning effect from the wind last night. Okay. We're going to talk about an old perennial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be Not weed. an old favourite. Not an old favourite, no, no by, not by any means. But, but makes it, and makes its present felt. Um, horsetail, mare's tail, weeds are on uh, the, the move at the moment. Uh, they sure are. Coming up through new tar Mac in one yeah. instance uh, tried to kill it several times but keeps coming back three to four weeks later what do we do? Well the thing about Mare's Tale it, it um, you know I probably told, told you the, stu- the story that when I was a student I went to the Edinburgh Botanic Gardens and they have a whole collection of Mare's Tale they actually physically grow it as an experiment and they've dated it back to, to the good old dinosaur days you know it's prehistoric um, but it's a very very simple plant but actually very difficult to kill so our traditional weed killers are not effective on it you need a hormone-based weed killer. So the weed killers that control it are things like Dicofar that we use in our lawn. Any of the lawn sprays should be effective on killing mare's tail. And the reason you're seeing it now is because of the heat last weekend. So when you get that, it's dormant, it's waiting beneath the soil, it's actually frost-sensitive. The frost will nip it back if we get late frost. But because we've got the heat last uh, bank holiday the last weekend that's what drove mare's tail so it has suddenly just appeared and it's about six inches or eight inches high now in gardens so and and uh, this year anywhere i've seen it it's actually worse than ever um but anyway the the treatment to use if you use the dicofar on the tarmac adam it's not it, it will kill it completely back it may re-emerge again. It's likely that it'll re-emerge again and you'll just have to persist with it. Right. So mare's tail, the roots of mare's tail go down a metre into the soil. They're thread-like. So if you break it or dig it, you're actually propagating it. So the only way to, to control it is by using systemic uh, treatments. Things like um, any of the glyphosate-based weed killers like Gallup or Roundup or any of those are ineffective at right. controlling round our uh, uh, mare's tail because it's got um, silica sandy kind of material in it and they kind of penetrate the leaf so you'll find hormonal based weed killers those that are used on lawns in particular are effective at controlling mare's tail but you do need to repeat so treat them now on a dry day if it re-emerges say in June treat it again just keep on top of it and you'll finally and firmly okay. exhaust it okay. but it's a it's a it's a persistent. It is persistent, and it's and not. And and if it has been around since, uh, you know, dinosaur times, uh, whatever era it might be yeah. from, uh, you know, that's why. That's why exactly, yeah. exactly, and it's a very simple plant. The um, if you've got it in shrubberies, my advice really is to plant taller shrubs that will smother it. So, and and plant closely together. So rather than trying to consist consistently apply weed killers plant plants that actually because it won't compete give it competition exactly because it only grows at the end of the day it only grows about you know maybe a foot 15 inches in height it doesn't grow any taller than that so if you put plants in like viburnum tinus or evergreen berberus that will actually grow like a carpet on the ground but maybe two feet high or two and a half feet high they smother it and it finds it hard to compete but where it's getting light and you often find where you're using roundup a lot Mare's tail then comes to the fore 
because it has no competition. Whereas you'll often see it in grassland and hedgerows yes. and the grass and everything kind of competes with it mm. and, and helps to stop it. But when it's when when you've bare soil, because the roundup isn't effective on it, the mare's tail keeps growing and actually takes over. Okay, and, so the, my, and the roundup is effective on everything else. Yes, but it's not exactly. It's killing everything else. It's actually a lot, making space for the the mare's tail to excel. Um, so my advice, really, of in shrub borders and beds, is kind of plant densely, plant so that the plants kind of smother it out, and and that's one way of certainly controlling it. But use the um, the hormonal based weed killers. SBK is very effective on it or Dicofar is very effective on it, but you do need to repeat, unfortunately. Now, can you discuss uh, tunnels? We have a plastic okay. on the tunnel. We've got a plastic on the tunnel twice in the last three years, okay. but the storm rips it. Is yeah. there any alternative that would withstand storm? We live on a hill. Okay, probably not the best probably location well, for a tunnel. I'm sure it's difficult, yeah. But having said that, my garden centre in Galway is there between Ord and Moore and Clare Galway and the wind comes at a horrendous rate across the fields and hits straight onto the uh, onto the, the front of the building which we have tunnels and we have found over the years you can get a heavy grade of tunnel cover so it's it's actually more of a webbing than a plastic cover so generally tunnels are supplied with horticultural polythene yeah. which doesn't break down with UV light and, and generally lasts about five years but in windy areas it just gets torn to bits because it's so thin. You can get a thicker grade, a more commercial grade um, material that we use on the tunnels in Galway and in Sligo and both are, are very, very open to the wind and that material we will generally get about six years out of. Okay. Um, you know, eventually it goes but it's so it's it's more of a webbed based um, plastic material that's just a lot stronger. Um, so maybe if the listener gives me a shout at the garden centre, yeah. I can advise them on, on what to use. So there is a stronger, I suppose the good news is there is a stronger material. Can you, can we ask about growing salad potatoes in pots? I have some old plastic tubs. Would it be okay to grow salad spuds? And what types? Am I too late? No, you're not too late. No, no, you can still plant potatoes for another, um, you know, right into May and up to certainly the, the, the middle of May, the end of May indeed. Um, salad varieties, so you're kind of looking for the waxy potatoes. So um, Carlingford, the one I mentioned, that mm -hmm. would be quite good. That's a, um, a salad potato. Nadine is also a salad potato. Um, so both of those have a more waxy type flavour um, and be, would be brilliant in pots. And containers. So look for those in your local garden centre. The other variety I mentioned, Valor, is is a nice flowery variety. So yeah, potatoes do brilliant in pots. Uh, we've got a picture of an aloe vera in. It's uh, kind of not as green as it should be, going brown. Wondering how can we sort it out? Okay, well, um, the thing with aloe vera is it's a succulent plant, so it stores a huge amount of moisture. You just need to be careful that you don't overwater it. It's a bit like the mother-in-law's tongue or or the money tree. They tend to thrive on neglect. So watering once a month, repotting every generally every three years. It may just need to be repotted. So this would be a good time to repot aloe vera. Again, get a John Ennis based compost, a kind of a gritty, sandy type compost because that's what it's like. It's in it. It's 90% of aloe vera is actually moisture. So it stores water. And if it gets too much water, you get browning on the leaves, yellowing on the leaves, the plant kind of falling over. Right. Um, and so my advice really is to, is to repot it using a, 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 a John in a space compost, which is a nice sandy compost, water once a month, a good, a good time of year to start feeding as well, feed it once a month, and it shouldn't need repotting then again for another three years. Okay, and it's just regular feed, is it? Regular feed, yeah, yeah baby bio would be fine on it. Things. It needs a sunny location as well, a bright, sunny porch, 
sunny location, that type of thing. And um, it's a very easy plant to, okay, to don't, grow. Don't pass too it's much a great plant, on it. aloe vera, yeah. because it is, you know, it's, it's, we call it the medicine plant because it heals any it wounds, wounds or yes, skin gel. disorders. I know when you, you burst it open, the gel that comes it's out. It's very of it. soothing. Yeah, yeah, it can be yeah, very good for yeah, lots of things. Yeah. Um, we also have somebody has sent us in a photograph for identification. I know you've had a look at this. So it's a plant in a pot. It's, it's pink. A, yeah, it's a lovely azalea. Um, probably Mother's Day or one of those varieties but it's a, an azalea in the same family as rhododendron brilliant in a pot or container it's flowering beautifully at the moment it'll stay in flower for another uh, probably another fortnight or so um, and again it is an ericaceous plant so give it a liquid feed of an ericaceous feed um, one that's used on rhododendrons and camellias and azaleas and any time from now on is the time to feed all of those plants because you're building them up for next year which I'm um, I planted three-year-old laurel trees, three foot high last October. Now a lot of the leaves have gone yellow and brown. I'm wondering why I kept them watered. Um, and they've, they've planted them in the, in the soil, in the garden. I'm gathering they're planted in the, right. in the garden. And when did they plant them? Last, uh, last October. Last October, yeah. Uh, well, you shouldn't have really... 30, need... sorry, 30 laurel trees, three foot high last October. Sorry, okay, yeah. so uh, since October, I mean, that was a really good time to plant them. You shouldn't really need, need it to have washed them and make sure that you're not actually giving them too much water um, because the soil conditions right through the, the autumn, winter and spring period were not excessively wet, but they're quite moist and, and um, perfect conditions actually for growing laurel. The yellowing is, is a sign. It could be that they're just getting too much water if the, if the listeners give them a lot of water, but it also is a sign that they're hungry. Mm. So my advice really is to take the tops off them, shorten them back, mm. give them a feed of the Osmo Pro 6. That'll green them up. And they're only kicking into growth now. Yeah. So those yellowing of the leaves or the older leaves, um, I think it's, it's it'll be down to just a little bit hungry. Okay give them a feed, they'll be fine. Again, if the listener wants to maybe send a photograph in or I'll be in the garden centre in Turlock today if they want to pop in Lovely. with a piece of them. Uh, so Jack is wondering as well, can we put cuttings from laurels down at this time of year? It's not a great time. The time to propagate laurel is in autumn, kind of late August, September, October. Take them foot long, strip off all the leaves apart from a top leaf on the top, a little bit of rooting powder, put them into a trench and they, they have a long period then over the autumn and winter to root. If you take them now, a couple of dry days will have them dried out before they've time to root. Now, you could try shorter cuttings, maybe six inch cuttings, put them into a peat, kind of a perlite peat or vermiculite peat mix, cover them with polythene, that'll help to keep the moisture in. And you may be lucky, they may root in a three or four week period. Yeah. But generally speaking, autumn is a better, better time, time to do you, them. Yeah, and you, you can take the cuttings big, like you can take them literally a foot or 18 inches long. So if you've got a fairly sustan- substantial plant then yeah. going into going the spring. Yeah. Uh, I need a bright yellow flowering plant to fill a gap in my shrub border. Something easy to grow, please, but that might flower for the summer and grow about two foot. Two feet tall. So, yeah. well, two plants come to mind. So there's a lovely plant just coming into flower at the moment um, in the broom family, a plant called Cytisus resmosa. And it produces these long... Um, racing, racing, I suppose, length, uh, um, yellow, bright yellow flowers, beautiful plant, covered in, ap- in, in yellow flowers this time of year. Um, so that's Cythisus resmosa. There's another plant then we, we featured before in the programme, Uriops, which has daisy-like bright yellow mm-hmm. flowers. Very, very easy plant to grow. It's in flower now and it will continue right through to the autumn. So any of those two will be, will be quite good. I'm putting a small new garden in. Uh, what weed block do you recommend? Well, the Mypex is very effective. Um, so Mypex, so weed block, 
basically differs from plastic in that MIPEX allows moisture and nutrition. If you're feeding your plants, it allows it to, to pass through. Um, it allows the soil, soil to breed, but it, it helps to control weeds. So look in your local garden centre for a material called MIPEX. Uh, my advice is actually to plant the bed first and then put the MIPEX down. I know that seems counterintuitive, but um, it's easier to put the MIPEX down once everything is planted and then cover it with some gravel or some bark and you're good to go. Now, I bought a, a, a container apple trees. Do I change them into bigger pots and do I keep changing the pots as they get bigger? Well, it depends on the variety of, of apple. Apples are grafted onto rootstock, a bit like the, the cherry question. If they're the dwarf apple trees like Cornet or they're a, a dwarf family apple tree, then move them into a pot, Ah, maybe, you know, 18 inches wide by 18 inches deep and they'll last in that for six or seven years. So the dwarf varieties have a very small root structure and they're perfect for containers. If it's a more vigorous variety, then you will have to repot them every couple of years and ultimately you'll have to put them into the garden soil. So if they're anything in the coronet family, they'll be perfectly happy in a pot, 18 inches wide, 18 inches deep, and you can keep them in that for six or seven years comfortably. I often plant them with strawberries <coughs> just around the base of them and it makes a lovely little bit of variety. Yeah, yeah. Can I divide lupin plants? No, I, I, lupins are actively growing at the moment and if you go trying to divide them now, you'll actually physically damage them. So I would leave them alone. If you want to divide them, the time to divide them is in the autumn. There's a great time of year actually for sowing the seed of lupin for next year, right. to flower next, next year. year. Yeah. Okay, so you have, to, sow it you have now. to work a little bit ahead then. Yeah, and things like the foxgloves and all delphiniums and all of those, if you sow the seed now, they'll grow as plants for the summer and then they'll come into flower next May and, and June. So a great time to sow the seed and it'll grow literally out of doors. Okay, uh, just a, a note on, as an aside, many thanks for all your help during the week from a blooming Kilchamach, we're told. Oh, and, yes, and the guys in Kilchamach are doing absolutely, David and Tom and all the guys there are doing a fantastic, great community spirit there. I always enjoy chatting to the guys and they have two big projects on at the moment but the town is looking fantastic and I, I have to give a, 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 a note to the, the team in Turlock as well, Turlock community, they're doing some fabulous work there, Tommy Lawless and the team in terms of planting up beds and doing walls yeah. and, and, and I great suppose support from, from Mayo County Council yeah. for the council. And I think that probably reiterates in lots of areas it because does, there course. are great communities Huge uh, putting work savage on. work in yeah. and I think, you know, people do really appreciate it. Yeah. So if you are part of that uh, particular group, uh, well done indeed. We'll include them all. We'll include them all. <laughs> we will include them all. But anyway, Kelsey good yeah. to hear it's looking yeah. good. Uh, how long does it take to grow busy Lizzie seeds? Well, if you sow the seeds now, they'll germinate in three weeks and the plants should be ready for planting out about the middle of June so it's not too late to sow them and all flowering summer flowering plants can still be sown from seed and we're still we're still only in April okay uh, sow them inside start them off inside that's important the the rocket flowers can you get Hespers. them to buy or is it just from seed it's generally from seed yeah the, the nurses don't bother growing them because it's such a simple plant to grow I mean literally just throw the seed in the ground it'll it'll come up in two weeks three weeks it's so simple to grow okay it's Hesperus Hesperus, Hesperus. Is, is what you're looking for Okay. Seed of Hesperus. I see somebody with a question on slugs, but we just probably don't have time to answer that today. So we might oranges. leave that to one side. Or there's a there's an experiment going on in our house with oranges. So we might have more Brilliant. information on that next week. Anyway, we'll I'm not so that. sure. And some organic yeah. ways to control slugs so as well. Slug. Okay, so we might talk about that next yeah. week if that's so okay. So remember, I'm in the garden centre today in Turlock. If people want to pop in, if you have any any issues with plants, whatever, bring them in. I'll answer them. I'll be there from twelve o'clock on. Okay. And I'm on Facebook. And at live. 10 I just yeah. Okay. Just after ten. Okay. Thank 
Thank you very much indeed, Park. That is it from the gardening programme for this morning and indeed from me as well for the Saturday. Do stand by Michael Neary coming your way directly after the news at 10. Uh, local news on the way. Uh, thanks for your company over the past couple of hours and to Teresa for her help as well. Good morning to you.